You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. I think it's great. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com, the spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts. I love it. I love you guys. You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. You're listening to the Pints and Provisions podcast with Evan, Mark, Ryan, and Dan. You're listening to the Pints and Provision Podcast with Evan, Mark, and Dan. Oh, I forgot someone. I can't I, I, I don't know. I'm just on like Zoom meetings all day long now, and I just mindlessly get on it. And it's illegal to record most of yeah, them. You don't normally <laughs> record your work ones, and yeah. the, like the kids are on Zoom meetings all day long too for like school. It's just nuts. Um, so, welcome to the Pints and Provisions podcast. We're glad to be back again on another Zoom meeting, which uh, happens very frequently, but we've had a lot of good success in doing this. Uh, we wanted to welcome Nick and Zach from Kinship Brewing with us. Uh, they're out of Waukee, Iowa. And um, being a, an Iowa uh, grad from Iowa State, I definitely know where Waukee is. Uh, not too far from Des Moines, obviously, kind of on that west side. Uh, so you're kind of a little bit in familiar territory for me. So we're just going to go around the, the house here. Ryan and Kyle are with me hosting uh, but we'll start off with beers of the week. And uh, Nick, we're going to have you go first. Yeah, my beer of the week uh, is from a brewery here in Des Moines uh, called Mantra. It is a dirty chai latte uh, inspired stout. Comes in at 13.3% uh, and has some of their house toasted coconut, uh, vanilla beans, some local coffee, and then a, a mix of seven different spices and black tea. And it's part of their stout series they've been doing. They've all been excellent, but this one was just really interesting and uh, was not so sure about it when I, when I got it, just because I didn't know how they'd pull off the, that dirty chai in that stout, but it was, it was excellent. I love myself a good chai coffee or chai latte there. The chai beers seem to be very hit or miss, but if they're executed well, it seems like... Mm-hmm get them out of the park it was the the spices just were like just the perfect amount like you really had to kind of look for them but it was yeah that was really good nice um myself bearded owl here in peoria does an amazing dunkel uh it has become one of their uh unsung heroes in terms of their beers i know nick likes to do a lot of different styles saisons these um Norwegian spiced ales, hazy IPAs, stouts, but somehow the masses keep asking for the dunkles. So that's what I'm enjoying tonight. Uh, Zach, like you're hear. up. Yep. <clears throat> Drinking a uh, electric machete, uh, which is from our friends at Barntown Brewing Company in West Des Moines. Um, so they actually are going to be our closest neighbor 
um, as we look to open, but they've also been pretty awesome to uh, get to know, of course. Um, but this is a uh, triple dry hop double IPA. So it's definitely a, a mouthful as far as getting it. There's five different hops in it. Um, I don't know. It's just rocking my world this week. So I've been drinking the, the hell out of it. So Ryan always, Ryan has said, um, he's like Barntown stuff. Where exactly is that in West Des Moines? So Barntown is on university. Um, okay. I'm trying to think. So it's basically uh, 156th street in university. There's a, a few strip malls down there. Yeah. So they're, they're like on the fringe of West Des Moines before Waukee. Gotcha. So they're like right there on the edge. Yeah. They're in their advertising. They actually say West Des Moines, Waukee. Nice. <laughs> oh, cool. So they, I mean, they live on that, on that line. Yeah. Nice. Through Tom, who kind of connected Zach and I, um, the few times that he's been down in Peoria, he's brought, um, I think the first one was just more of a West coast, uh, kind of a, a bitter backbone, uh, not hazy, but just a regular bitter backbone West coast IPA. I don't remember the name of it. And then he brought a hazy down one time that was in a crawler that I, I know a few of us had had here to Together that everyone was really impressed, and then most recently, was, I want to say it was with vanilla beans, um, and it was phenomenal. I mean, they really, really killed it. So um, I've been really impressed with everything I've had. Yeah, so, you got some good bedfellows. Once, uh, once uh, you guys get open over there, we'll have to take a stop on the way to Barntown and then uh, head eight miles southwest and get to Kinship. Done. Yeah. Done. Something tells me I'll be there before any of y'all because <laughs> my sister, my sister-in-law lives in Des Moines. My parents live in Nebraska. So we always hit up, you know, we always go through that way coming from Peoria. So trust me, um, once the, the floodgates open, uh, we'll be stopping by. The farthest I get into Iowa is Fairfield. That's about it. And then I turn back. Are you going We're down to the, the Maharishi? Uh, no, I go to the foundry there, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> a little different. It is a, it is a very random spot for a very, very town. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's what everybody knows about Fairfield. So I was I was not expecting that when I went to uh, Central Iowa. <laughs> that's not Central Iowa. Stop. Eastern Iowa, whatever. It's a really long <laughs> state, but I don't. No, it's all the same. <laughs> all right, Kyle. What's your beer of the week? So my beer of the week after uh, hounding my my uh, buddy that recently moved to Denver, um, it was going to be the the Beerstad Lager House Hellas Lager. Um, the their dunkel was up there as well, but uh, I've got to go with the Slow Pour Pills, which I uh, just cracked for this uh, podcast. Uh, I didn't pour it as slow as they would have liked me to. Um, I poured the the first half and got a whiff of it and just filled it up and um two-thirds gone now it's, it's phenomenal so cracked it have, tonight uh, and already crowned it oh yeah i've got another 12 ounces to go but that'll be done before this podcast is over for sure. yeah, i'm sure <laughs> ryan you're up yeah mine's uh by bottle logic out of anaheim they're one of the latest or maybe the latest uh barrel aged stout that they did it's called uh hyper mash hydra 13.5 percent uh basically bourbon barrel aged bourbon barrel aged stout uh adjuncted with coconut 170 pounds of columbia patroness coffee and then uh, saigon cinnamon so 
really well balanced between all of the adjuncts. Uh, really, really thick stout. Mouthfeel was terrific, um, but uh, not too overpowering on any of the adjuncts. So it was it was fantastic. Nice. So yeah, yeah. Had that a couple days ago. So, anyways, so um, kind of getting going here. So I guess really uh, Zach and Nick would be kind of wanted to talk about first was just a little bit of background. I'm sure a lot of folks that are. Um, haven't heard of kinship and so we kind of just wanted to get a little bit of background of uh, how you guys are getting started i know uh you're still in the execution so uh i guess just kind of take it from there and i'm sure we'll have a bunch of questions yeah sure uh so this is zach here um you know <clears throat> i never thought i'd be living in the midwest uh from you know basically growing up as a kid in georgia um but I got to tell you, they make for, uh, there's amazing women here in the Midwest that have brought me here. So I was born in Florida, grew up in Georgia, uh, about two years ago, moved here to Iowa. Um, uh, the, the short end of the long story basically is we're about almost three years in the making for this. Uh, in my head, it's been probably 10 years in the making. Um, pretty similar background to many breweries that open up, um, you know, the passion for the industry, well, further obviously for the industry, for the product, but also for me, it's uh, about the branding and the experience, um, the, the taproom experience, especially. Um, so <clears throat> two years ago, uh, well, three years ago, I announced to my wife, I said, hey, you know, you know, I've been wanting to start this thing. Let's go ahead and make it real. Um, and told my boss, hey, here's eight months, heads up, um, you know. And at the time in, in Georgia, I, I started playing this brewery, which was once called Roots Brewing Company. Uh, so midway through, we changed the name roots. Just, you know, it, when I got to Midwest here, I think there are some breweries in our area here that were using the word roots so much that I didn't want to be confused with them. Um, so we ended up with, with kinship, which still has the same kind you know, the same, uh, message we want to drive. Um, and you know, the way the project evolved is I sat down day one and knew that, okay, well, if I'm going to go for this for real, the days of saying my beer is better than that person's beer, I think are over. Uh, there's so much good selection right now, especially locally. Uh, to me, I was wanting to make sure we focus on the experience side of it. So um, to kind of cut forward, kind of a little Quentin, Quentin Tarantino on you guys here, we can kind of go back in the past here later on. But uh, when we landed here in, in, in Iowa, I already had a uh, sort of a very high level business strategy in my mind. Um, and before I had left uh, Atlanta to Iowa, um, luckily one of my mentors, uh, who, uh, whose name is Mike Myers, by the way, which is either if you love comedy or you love horror movies, there's, there's definitely uh, a lot to go on there. <laughs> he, he's somebody that, uh, you know, he's not, a, he's not a brewery owner. Um, you know, uh, he's just more of, um, you know, his backgrounds in financing and before moving to Iowa and before we planted our flag in Waukee, I just asked them, I said, you know, hey, uh, you know, I really want to have a place that people gather. And this is before the word destination brewery really was really in my head consciously, you know, subconsciously destination brewery was something that um, my wife and I, when we travel across the country to go to different breweries, we get that feel. Um, but I said, you know, you know, I'm starting a brewery, obviously starting any business is a risk. How do I, how do I build something from the ground up um, and, and also have a brewery that I'm proud of um, that our teams be proud of and, and not feel like I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. And he simply just told me, uh, well, start a property company. 
uh, own that land and then your operations will be a brewery. So, you know, in that room that day, it was a very simple Propco Opco. Uh, so that at very high level made sense. So, um, of course, when I got here in Iowa, I had that vision in mind and um, I had two contacts that I had uh, here. And uh, I knew I had, you know, I was excited to get to work, to build relationships. Um, so cut forward to today, obviously, as we're talking on this podcast, um, a lot of work has gone into just to get us here, just to get us, just to get a shovel in the ground. Um, <clears throat> it's been a lot of hard work, um, which it goes without saying, obviously, starting a brewery is a lot of hard work. Um, so, yeah, we landed here. Downtown Des Moines was initially where I wanted to you know, open a brewery because my wife and I came from East Atlanta Village um, in, in Atlanta. And uh, of course, we, we loved the, the, the food and beer scene down there, um, just the evolution. And as, as that area started to becoming, um, you know, more and more uh, habitable, so to speak, I guess, with the word gentrification, which uh, we grew up we were in, a, in an area that was starting to turn around, some really cool concepts were happening. Um, <clears throat> but we also moved uh, Iowa to Waukee when we started talking about kids. Uh, well, we don't have kids right now, but when the kids, you know, are going through school, it's going to be in Waukee. And I thought, well, hell, maybe we should build this brewery out in Waukee. You know, maybe we should go out to, you know, an up and coming area. For those who don't know what, anything about Waukee, um, that population sign in the last five years has just been ticking up naturally because of development. Uh, farm, farm, <clears throat> you know, farmers are, essentially development's happening uh it's, it's blowing out from the city of des moines so we're about 25 minutes in des moines and with everything happening we just we seized on an opportunity found a piece of property on a bike trail and uh, we got to work um so that might be a immense version of, of where we're at today and we would like <laughs> this kind of unfold but i also wanted to invite nick of course to this podcast because um he's somebody that i met uh almost a year ago um at a, a rotary event of all places um but uh he just struck me as having so much passion to remind me a lot of myself uh, at his age when i was trying to figure out what where am i going to be in the craft brewery industry do i own a brewery or do i you know find a way to get my foot in the door so uh, nick is going to be kinship's communication manager and we can talk about that a little bit more because you're probably wondering, well, that sounds great, but Jesus, that's an interesting role to start off with. But um, <clears throat> Nick, I wanted to give you the floor and introduce yourself and, and talk about your background in the industry and, and kind of maybe see if we can provide some context for the listeners. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, like Zach said, I, we met last summer and um, joined officially in I think December and I obviously Zach can, tell stories like no one else. And, um, I was just really driven and motivated by his message and kind of his whole reasoning behind starting a brewery and that, that brand and community and, and everything. And that's what has always drawn me into the craft beer community. And so when I met Zach and got to know more about kinship and the brand and the space, I knew that was something I wanted to be a part of and, um, been going all in ever since. And, um, I've never been able to nail the brewing side. I'm not a scientist and I'm not a meticulous math person. So I wanted to bring my expertise into the, the community and um, my education's in communication. And so I said, Hey, let me, let me do something. Let me handle your messaging, your social media, whatever, whatever you have for me, let me do it. And 
I'll take all of your, all of your stories and all of your passion and I'll, I'll just make it, you know, appeal to everybody. And that's, we've been a team working towards that ever since. And it's been a lot of fun. So bring, let's kind of close the circle here a little bit, Nick, because you have some connections with Peoria, which obviously all three of us uh, hosting are from Peoria. You have a communications degree from Bradley? That's right. I graduated in 2019 from Bradley with a sports communication degree. Um, and I worked for a team here uh, locally and was looking to kind of transition out of sports a little bit. Just the schedule in sports is crazy and um, was looking to just kind of do make a pivot at the time. And um, it was almost like divine intervention because I found Zach was – I guess I didn't find Zach, but we actually met at a, a grand opening of another brewery here. And I was flying out for an interview the next day in North Carolina for another job. And I basically just spilled my heart out to Zach and was like, Hey, I have this job interview, but I'd really like to do something with you if possible and blah, blah, blah. And, um, I was offered the job a, like a week later and ended up not taking it. Cause I knew that this opportunity was something that, um, I really wanted to kind of see through, but yeah, I spent two years in Peoria, very familiar with the beer scene there in central Illinois and, um, Back thereof. I was going to say that. I don't know if that'd be rude. <laughs> Chicago, you have Chicago and St. Louis. <laughs> Chicago and St. Louis within two hours is really yeah, that, to have. So yeah. especially because a lot of that stuff at the time was pretty new to me. Um, like Chicago, for example, I just really knew like revolution and, uh, Lagunitas, but then being able to go up there all the time and seeing all the other really awesome places that are there. Those two places that I loved when I moved to Peoria are probably the last two places I would go now because I know how yeah. much is out there. And then St. Louis, obviously, I don't know that there's a whole lot of bad there. So, um, but yeah, I really liked my time in Peoria and I love Bradley, but uh, back home it was for me. And Bearded Owl. Let's not forget our local yep. friends and heroes, at least in terms yeah. of beer, or Bearded Owl. So. Love those guys, and that was my spot when I was there. So shout out to Bearded Owl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, so I, I actually, I just love the name, Zach. So I think you, you picked a great one there. It's, it's really unique, and it does still stick to uh, some of the more common themes of, of brewery names. So I think it stands out, and it's memorable. Um, yeah. question I was going to – I wanted to ask you uh, – yeah. And, you know, I, I love Atlanta, the whole area and everything um, from the times that we've, we've spent with some family down there. Um, but their beer scene actually for the population, in my opinion, is kind of weak. I don't know if you felt that at all or consider staying in Atlanta to get this going or was it more about um, getting the, you know, a place where you can uh, settle in for where the kids can go to school and things like that and making sure that's all connected too. Yeah, you know, well, over the years, the beer scene has evolved, um, and to a, to a, to an extent of uh, there have been some really cool breweries in the heart of Atlanta. Uh, I think for the you know, the number one brewery that comes to mind when people hear Atlanta is Sweetwater. Um, I think I've been there a handful of times. Right, that wasn't like the place we went to. Um, and it's funny actually, is my wife. So I went to University of Georgia. So I graduated uh, from Athens. And so Terrapin was a very first craft brewery that I really ever oh, yeah. was in. Oh yeah. Um, Hop executioner. Yeah. Hop executioner. Yeah. I mean, and by the way, 
And that was, again, at a time where a lot of breweries across the country couldn't sell direct to the consumer. So we just showed up, pay for a tour. Um, but I remember, you know, we're, we're 21. They were pretty strict. You couldn't go there under 21. And we'd just be playing, you know, bags. We'd be drinking beer. to be live music. And there's this whole, like, experience happening that really got me excited about. Because I also love hosting, right? So there's this different elements about this unique experience. Um, but we also know that then Creature Comforts came uh, to play. And uh, Tropicalia was the, the first beer that ever popped from, yeah. Which today, to this point, to, to this day, is still a beer that I I um, I love. Be um, <clears throat> the star was one of my first favorite barrel aged stouts. I don't know ever what happened to it. See the stars by Creature Comforts. Yes, yes. It was. I don't know what adjuncts or if there were any, but it was phenomenal five six six years ago. That'll yeah. I'll always remember. Well, it, it, it's funny because it's in part of Athens that you know you never have done that 10 years ago, but they just found the perfect time to do it. So anyway, my wife was in PA school in Atlanta. And so I started going into Atlanta. I started, cause I was an Athens snob, but at some point, you know, you gotta, you know, it's kind of like being in a college town at some point, you, you kind of have to just get out. And, and by the way, if you can hear a dog barking, that's my dog. I apologize. No problems. Good for background noise. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this hound dog, man. <laughs> I was promised that my wife would throw outside if she does that, but we can do. Um, Mine almost. But anyway, so uh, table, so so anyway, to answer, answer your question. Um, Atlanta is a busy city, you know, and Atlanta is also uh, a place that, as much as I love it, um, that's getting a little ridiculous. All right. Hold on. Let me see if my wife gets her. No, I think she's broken a meme. All right, we're going to plow through, guys. Everybody yeah, just no, stay with no, you. All good. All good. Uh, so, you know, my, when we were talking about kids, that's what really kind of drove us to have a conversation. My parents moved down to Florida um, a, a few years ago, and this is about the time we're about to move and everything. And, uh, you know, to pull off what we're pulling off out here in Waukee, the timing and everything, uh, to do it in Atlanta would have been a, a little different. What I've been very fortunate about here in, in Iowa, just uh, especially here in the Midwest, is building relationships with people that that's what, you know, all that matters, you know. And um, I feel like when we were, when when I first moved here, sure, I would have been more than happy to meet people that would be maybe shareholders for our different companies to make kinship kinship. Um, but here in Iowa, I just felt like I, I was able to build relationships and uh, yeah. So the point is Atlanta is awesome. I love Atlanta, but we were ready for a change. Um, I was excited to move here to Iowa. So um, it's just a, uh, so now the beer scene, I can defend it all day long. There's definitely some breweries that I'm very uh, passionate about there in Atlanta. Um, I'd say what Nick, take the floor for one second. I'm going to take care of this dog real quick. <laughs> Someone asked me a question. <laughs> well, I mean, so I'll just tell you my familiarity with Des Moines, um, you know, El Bait Shop is probably like your most hmm. well-known craft beer oh, bar right. and bottle shop. And it's pretty well-known nationally. Mm -hmm. um, I guess Barntown, yes. Uh, I'm familiar with Exile, which hmm. interestingly enough, my sister-in-law had her... Um, like pre-wedding party there and um 
I can't remember much about what the beers I had then because I was wrangling a five-month-old. But um, beyond that, it's really been, I mean, like it's a very uh, community, very diverse city uh, Des Moines is. So take, I guess, take us through a little bit about how it is to promote a new brewery in a city like that. Yeah, we're, we're really fortunate to have a lot of, not only a lot of breweries, but a lot of really good breweries in Des Moines and Iowa in general. Um, and so my, I guess my biggest challenge from a communication standpoint when I came on was how are we going to differentiate ourselves from not necessarily a, a surplus of good craft beer, but just when there's so many other options, especially being way out in Waukee like we are, we have to find a way to differentiate ourselves and, and you know, make our brand noticeable. Um, so obviously for, for starters, our tap room is pretty sizable for a lot of the other places in, in town here. And so I think that alone is going to create an atmosphere that people are going to want to be a part of. Um, but I think too, in general, I know a lot of my friends and, and when I go and visit any other brewery and where we get to talking about kinship, a lot of people ask, well, how's the beer? And I think, you know, for us, we, we think our beer is on par with everyone else, if, if not better. But the thing is, is that in, in our opinion, our brand is just about bringing people together. And of course the beer is part of that, but our whole tap room, our whole brand, our whole message is just basically what craft beer is about is bringing people together from, you know, CEOs to janitors. We want people to come to our tap room and be able to just enjoy themselves. And yeah. And, yeah, and Nick, I, just to piggyback off that, you know, uh, sorry, my dog is under control now. Zach is back. All good. <laughs> Zach on the mic. Good Lord. Um, so, and, and, and I was coming kind of to kind of piggyback off, off Nick there. You know, it's funny is when I told my wife this, like many years ago, when we first met that I was wanting to maybe start a brewery, she's like, well, you have to have a product. I'm like, well, duh. But she had a great point, right? So I've been home brewing for many years. And thankfully, um, as the planning began, you know, for me, I don't have the professional, the commercial experience. Um, so I knew day one, I didn't want to be the person to create a product, to try to scale it from what we have on a smaller scale up to a larger system and just, just hope and pray that it's going to scale mathematically. It, it doesn't. And so of course I had products in my mind that, that I gravitate towards. And thankfully before I moved to uh, Iowa, I met a former brewmaster. He used to work at Monday night brewing company. Um, and he had just recently left Monday night brewing company to become his own uh, consultant. And uh, I was his first client. Um, so, he knew, so the planning of this brewery is not just my, you know, me like seeing, you know, I didn't draw what you maybe have seen your renderings. So if you go to our website or, or sorry, our, our social media and you see renderings, um, what ultimately we're building, I didn't draw that on a paper napkin and say, hey, this is brewery. This is the kinship. This is going to be six acres of land. It's going to have a dog park. It's going to have a place where we can have live music and I didn't draw all this and it just evolved over the course of time. But between the planning and today, we rolled our sleeves up and said, Hey, 
we know what products we want to brew for flagships. Um, but any great brewery though has variety. Some of the best breweries you go to, and you just mentioned Evan earlier, I mean, this brewery that you're drinking beer from has does the, the, the usual suspects, the hazy IPAs, the Imperial Stouts, but people are demanding of their dunkle, which, you know, is that's that must mean a pretty damn good dunkle, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so my my philosophy and to the product side of it, because it's a million dollar question. Okay, well, how's your beer? Well, well Jesus, I, I, I like to think it's good and it's going to be good because that's our standard. And product has to match the experience. So if you're going to do something like we're doing, you got to make sure the product can, can certainly match the experience. Um, and, you know, and to get to that point, you have to be patient to get to that point. And I don't mean patient like, oh, the first six months, just don't worry about our beards. What I mean by that is don't try to boil the ocean day one. Don't try to have 24 beers on tap day one because you fall victim to brewing a beer because that's what people want. But at the same time, if you have four solid flagships day one or four solid beers day one and, uh, and people gravitate towards that, then, then that's when the, the energy begins to build to roll your product out. And Nick, when I had met him, I think I finally, I think I had like a small supply I provided him saying, hey, here's one of the beers that we're going to roll out, which we can talk through in a little bit. But I mean, I probably brewed about 800 gallons of beer in my garage and done about 25 events. Um, so we've done a lot of spot treating both downtown West Des Moines and, and Waukee and a little bit of surrounding the Des Moines Metro. We have an idea of what our, you know, what our rollout beers are going to be, but I'd like to remind people that we've got a lot of cool shit we want to do. Um, and uh, I probably on a little bit of a tangent here when it comes to the product, but somebody that is, you know, as you're bringing homebrew to these events to build your brand, the biggest thing I love about this community is that they're starting to, they, they really understand what we mean when we say kinship, you know, that's that common ground. Um, and people in the Midwest here love their beer. They also love biking, right? They love, and then I know it's a little bit of a, it's a hairy situation with the whole pandemic thing, but despite that, I still know they're wanting to commune and come together when the time is right. So um, probably more than ever. Like everyone's itching for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, and I just, today I got a, you know, our neighborhood today I had a Facebook post that somebody said, Hey, in July, if this thing is okay, we want a block party. Of course they're asking me to bring the beer, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Um, of course and I'm that's sorry. really what they wanted to post about yeah exactly. <laughs> just get that guy's attention um, i hope that makes sense you know i obviously it's from the first day i started playing this to today um when someone says what kind of beers you're going to have it's such a loaded question but if people have time i'll give them an answer <laughs> you know um so uh and that's just something that we're you know i it's when someone sees what we're building and is a big enthusiasts of beer. I myself have been to places where I see this kind of cool tap room, but the delivery of the product is subpar. So you just kind of let down. Yep. Um, I feel you can do both. But I think it's interesting. I think when you hear a lot of people starting breweries, they think they're the best brewers in the world and they're just going to hammer it through and, and their product's going to take over the world and it's going to be so much better than the, 15,000 or whatever other breweries out there that no one else is going to go to these other breweries and it's just going to build itself. And it just seems like a very shallow plan that everyone has. So it's, it's refreshing and interesting to hear you guys come at it from a different angle. I mean, you have a 
communications guy on day one that I mean that's how you're going to differentiate yourself. You have to get your get your name out there and in the world of social media that can make or break your company overnight. It's well, you know, yeah. and and I appreciate that because I um it's hard to really sometimes uh, put into words, especially for a limited time. And again, if it, this is Joe Rogan, we go for three hours, but we won't do that today. But you know, um, to really, to really, I'm a fanboy. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I find myself, and again, as a reminder, this is a three-year pursuit of, and this also was um, not just. Hey, here's the business plan. Here's a bank. Bank is going to give me money, and now I have investors. Like, no, you have to get out to put yourself out there. And because I can't keep my damn mouth shut, you know, when we launched our social media under the name Roots, uh, which again we changed, um, when I started hearing back from people saying, "Hey, I heard this brewery's opening up. It's going to have a dog park on the bike trail." Like, holy hell! Like, that's exactly what we want. Yeah. And then you know, the social media has been very organic, and what Nick's really helped with just so far is my brain sometimes can be a bit scattered here's a beer we should talk about here's a community event we should talk about here's an event we should talk about and i need someone like nick to help me uh help us build a a strong rapport with our audience before they ever drink our beer and and to me that is what builds a loyal audience and um to your uh, you know to, to the point just made if if I if my whole entire campaign was predicated on having the best beer in Iowa, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a slippery slope, you know what I'm saying? So um, so we're definitely excited about continuing to beat this drum, um, but then reminding people that don't worry though. Again, the product has a very high caliber as well, but we can also walk and chew gum. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great that's a great great point is the walk and chew gum. So <clears throat> Nick, how I'm sure that that kind of mindset makes it easy for you as a communications director saying like, Hey, I don't just have to like pimp the product. I also have like this experience to perpetuate. So how do you do that in the current landscape? I know that's tough, but you can still kind of do that, right? Yeah. We've been trying to do things to keep our audiences engaged, even without being able to see them or interact with them. Um, one thing in particular that we've been, really looking forward to is a flag raising ceremony. We're going to have a flag on our property um, that we're, I mean, it's not just Zach and I's flag. It's all of our flags. It's our. It got voted on by the way. Yeah. Everybody. And we were planning on doing that in April. And in fact, I think we were planning to do it last weekend. And of course, all of this, this stuff has forced us to postpone that. So in lieu of being able to see people, we, we hosted a zoom town hall, um, you know, similar to what we're doing right now, just with, with people that were wanting to come on and have a, a virtual drink with us and learn a little bit more about us. And, you know, we're doing whatever we can to, to really keep everyone engaged. And, and I think we're in a really unique position in that a lot of places here, you know, are open and having to change their business model. Whereas for us right now, we're really able to, you know, we don't really have to change a whole lot. We're, we're able to actually kind of take advantage of the fact that, that, you know, people are kind of stuck at home and um, we're able to have meetings like this and get to know people and engage with people without having to have them, 
you know, actually physically come and see us. And um, that's been really nice because... You need a liquor license. Yeah. And so just being able to, to not have to... We're not, you know, like having to change our entire, you know, method of selling over the course of a week or two. We're not having to do... Um, you know, these curbside pickups with a limited staff. We're, we're able to just kind of continue on and continue to develop and learn. We're, actually, it's been really nice to learn just how much people do love coming out to tap rooms yeah. and mm-hmm. love the experiential factor of, of having, you know, a, dra- a draft beer. I, I can remember I was uh, visiting some family down in Louisiana, just as all this stuff was happening. And I remember we were in the bar in the Dallas Fort Worth airport. And it was the last beer I've had on tap. And this was all the way back in March. And I turned to my girlfriend and I was like, this is probably the last beer we're going to have on tap in a bar (laughs) in a long time. So we could just, you know, sit back, really appreciate this and, and enjoy it. And sure enough, you know, it's been, well over a month now since that and we're still here um but and clearly too we've seen just how important and how um willing people are to go out and support their local business so that makes us even more excited to to continue this process and continue to grow our audience and and build engagement and open up and um we've been really really excited to see you know that passion from people and just, you know, it gives us even more confidence to know that we're doing the right thing with our brand and just our, our entire message. I think you guys said that, uh, you, uh, you're start, you're opening up in the fall. Um, if I understand correctly. So yeah. I guess like right, right now, where are you at in the startup phase and are you getting beer to consumers currently or is, is, are you still kind of testing out the equipment or, um, you know, how's, how's that process go? to, uh, you know, kind of from now to, uh, to day one of, of the, you know, kind of the launch. So just a little, yeah, a little bit of background to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, this PropCo, OpCo, this property company. So um, right before everything kind of unfolded, uh, we closed on our loan. Um, so my wife and I are the um, owners of a property company um, called Sprout Property Company. And that property company is leasing um, the land or leasing the building to uh, Kenship. Just quick little overview there. So we had to go through a fundraising process. We had to go through the bank, um, you know, building relationships and getting approval of a loan, uh, which, by the way, is, is a whole different conversation. Uh, that's, that's a hell of a journey to go through. Um, thankfully, we came out with um, uh, to be able to deliver what we would deliver. Um, and leading up to that, you know, we had an architect, of course, that we selected and a general contractor. And we went through kind of concurrent to getting the, the approval for the loan. We went through this ideation process um, and we did all the things you need to do leading up to putting that shovel in the ground, like I said earlier. So moving dirt. Um, as of last Friday, we finished rough grade of the property. Um, we, uh, I could, I mean, literally right now, if we were all in person, I can walk you on the property and show you where things would be, which we'll look to that in the future as a follow-up. Awesome. <laughs> um, to uh, getting the foundation laid uh, this week. So late fall opening right now is our target. 
Um, now, as far as getting beers to the consumer, we were entertaining contract brewing right now, um, several months ago. Um, that changed a little bit given the situation, um, but uh, we could ease back into it, but I've decided at this point now, let's just go ahead and continue to, so today I brewed up some beer uh, in my garage. Um, the, the flag raising ceremony, we plan to have beer available. Um, what that looks like right now, we're not quite sure, but we still feel like we should be able to comfortably, you know, it's June 19th, by the way, 2020. Um, so we've got a little bit of time to kind of look into that, but um, so the way we're getting our product to people is just by way of events that we host. So without this pandemic, we would have a block party, you know, a block party, like a town hall every three weeks, two weeks. Right. So, oh, okay. um, and the way when so Adam Bishop came on board, the brewmaster a couple years ago, when we were developing recipes, we kind of took a reverse engineering approach. So Adam and I would talk through what kind of beers we wanted to brew. And he would say, okay, well, if I were to do this right now on a 30 barrel system, uh, which is a system size we'll have, here's what, how I'd do it. So let's scale it down to all the way down to a five gallon batch. So between five and 10 gallons. And the, the approach there was, of course, you know how it goes. I mean, going from five gallons to, to, to 30 barrels, it's you're not going to taste exactly the same, but we wanted to see what that would look like on a larger scale and do like a reverse engineering. So um, we have equipment purchased. Uh, we got a down payment at least. So, uh, with ABS, which have been awesome partners, uh, that gets delivered around August time. Okay. Uh, and at that point, yeah, we've got, um, <clears throat> around August when that equipment comes in, of course, we'll get it installed and do our first few batches. Uh, we've got a test, uh, a pilot system that we're also installing kind of con connecting to our, our brew house, um, to make it a little more seamless. Um, so we've already got a few beers in mind that we're ready to, to take to that level, um, between 10 barrels and 30 barrels. Uh, we're going to have, uh, between our head brewer that we just recently hired, um, uh, who is still behind the scenes. So we'll definitely announce this in the future who it is, but, uh, to, to Adam Bishop, who's just again, been our brewmaster, you know, partner. Uh, uh, in addition to that, of course, we'll all get together. And once that time comes, let's say August, mid August, we're going to start brewing batches of beer, uh, to, um, pilot amongst ourselves and our soft launch community. And then of course, um, you know, come September, October, uh, we would like to be at a place where we can start, um, doing soft launch events, um, or, um, some sort of, you know, miniature distribution in our local area. So. Awesome. So I know we're probably a little bit over time and hopefully you guys are okay for a few more questions. Um, but, uh, Fire away, man. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go grab a beer by the way. Okay. So oh, I just got, I got, I got a big one. So I got plenty of time. <laughs> Can we do a round two? Cause I'm grabbing a round two. Yeah. Let's uh, do it. I'll talk. Ask a question. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously, um, I, I, I'd love to just go for the, you know, kind of the next two hours talking about the beer part of it, but, um, I know we don't have time, but, you know, what's, uh, I guess first, what did you, well, actually I'll wait till Evan gets back for this one. So, um, your first four beers, you know, you said, you know, kind of that ramp up and not have 24 on tap. I, I think it's, that's a great idea. I mean, I think, uh, if four great beers on tap, then the people that have those are going to be the, the first ones to come back for your fifth and sixth and, uh, mm -hmm. 
having 24 on tap and you're going to turn half the people away if, if not all of them are that good. So, um, what's your, you know, first, what are you envisioning as the flagship or what's the, the first four that you think you'll have, have out there ready to go that, that'll keep people coming back? Sure. Um, you know, uh, to answer that question, the way I kind of look at, so this is obviously community centric, but then we look at the larger, you know, trend of what beers are becoming uh, some of the more favorites. And right now session beers, whether that's um, through, you know, some sort of Pilsner lager mix, some sort of low ABV, um, you know, smash. Oh, there you go. Um, or for some people, seltzers. The point is uh, session beer is something that allows families to come to a brewery and drink a few of them and not feel like, you know, they're being irresponsible. Um, so the first two beers that were, um, one of which we've put through the ringer quite a bit, um, is a beer called Oh Billy. Um, oh Billy is a, <laughs> Billy is a family friend. Um, again, I would like to invite ourselves in the future for, to get us a little more uh, story and context, but uh, this, uh, this is a smash. So as you guys know, a single malt, single hop, going back to the basics of brewing. Um, the malt we chose was Golden Promise, or is Golden Promise. And the hop we choose is Citra. That was awesome, by the way. Good job, Ryan. <laughs> like, oh, crap, I did that on camera. <laughs> you guys should just go to video work. Fuck the freak podcast, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I can take clips of this video. Okay. <laughs> And post that, but then Ryan the did it so and... casually when I was talking to him, and I was like, "Oh, I don't know where to go for me." <laughs> oh, I'm done. Man, just licked it like kiss there. Um, <laughs> I got uh, so this beer. Got okay, so sorry, this beer's a smash. About two years ago, we we came up with this. It's a very basic. So we're trying to strike for this beer specifically, trying to strike a balance between a light, uh, crushable beer, but with flavor. Um, because we chose Citra as our hop, uh, more specifically uh, Cryo Citra, um, this is a beer that we introduced. The first time we introduced this beer was 94 degrees outside. Um, it was on, you know, we were on pavement. It was a hot damn day and uh, it, people crushed it and, and loved it. So um, because it's Golden Promise and because we do use Cryo hops, it actually maintains a slight haze. So it's a little bit of a low ABV hazy beer. And because... Uh, it's Citra. We thought, well, why don't we try something kind of goofy here and do no IBU? So it's a zero IBU beer. Um, it's obviously, uh, so that means we drop a shit ton of hops after the boil, but then dry hop it, same thing. Uh, and, you know, a uh, irresponsible amount of dry hopping happens as well. <laughs> and the byproduct is a very drinkable pseudo hazy IPA or pseudo hazy pale ale almost. And, um, and what's been fun about that one is, is just seeing people's reactions um so that being a smash i call it the smash you can crush you know awesome. um so oh billy is going to be a beer that we definitely roll out day one um you know we also live in an area where bush light is king you know and there's going to be many people that come to our tap room saying bush lattes bush lattes what's your closest thing to bush light or bud light or whatever um but i but i also uh, loggers i have a soft spot in my heart for loggers when craft breweries started doing loggers more uh, and getting more comfortable in that arena and doing it with like doing it justice. Um, I was excited about that. In fact, I, you know, the point is um, we have a beer we've been calling off the leash lager. It's uh, you know, what you see is what you get kind of light beer. It's about 4.5%. And by the way, uh, O'Billy was 4.2%. 
Um, nice. It's another, it's another crushable lager that is the light variation for, for the folks that show up and just want to drink, you know, lighter beers. Um, and then we've got, so being that it's fall, uh, one of my beers uh, is called Sheriff Dobek. Uh, Sheriff Dobek is an homage to my father, who is still with us, by the way. I sometimes talk about this like he's uh, passed on, but <laughs> still with us. Um, in Vero Beach, Florida, he was sheriff uh, in Indy River County. And um, when I was homebrewing my brothers back in the day, um, you know, we wanted to come up with a beer that really, you know, represented my, our father. And so it's a Russian Imperial Stout. It weighs in about 13%. Um, it's actually one we played around with, and it's still adjunct free. Um, nice. There's, awesome. I love, listen, I love adjunct heavy beers. They're done right. But this Imperial Stout still has the tan, you know, the, the tan lacing on it. It has the tan head on it. Uh, and it kicks you in the ass. Um, but we still maintain it's adjunct free. It's the beer that's going to go into whiskey barrels. Um, more specifically, I'd love to see it in a, so are you guys, you guys familiar with few, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. So Pikesville, uh, Michigan or Pikesville, Illinois. Uh, yes. Pikesville. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Sheriff Dobeck will also be bourbon age is basically what I was trying to say. Bourbon barrel awesome. there. Um, <clears throat> and then, um, so obviously that's a huge jump between. So in the middle of all that is a beer we're going to call Dear Annie. And Dear Annie is an, uh, just a love letter to my wife. So it's a beer. It's a six percent um, hazy IPA, um, baseball golden promise. I love my golden promise, um, and uh, we dry hop it on mosaic and only keep it mosaic. We don't dry hop any more than just just one single um, hop, and uh, that one punches you in the face with strawberry. It's pretty awesome. So, um, so between off leash lager, O Billy, Dear Annie, and Sheriff Dobek, um, that's right now kind of the thoughts of the, that. that day one, maybe week one, um, roll out. Nice. What did you brew today? Dear Annie. Oh, okay. So, yep. So that rest, I did that one today, as we mentioned with a flag raising ceremony, um, here, here so George is different. There's no off season for brewing outside or your home brewing because there's no, you know, I, I you technically you can brew <laughs> obviously, but because I'm still using, um, you know, just a coil for my home brewery system. Um, I have uh, not brewed in about three and a half months. So I was ready to get back to it and get ready for our self curated events as things, of course, lighten up over here. So right now yeah. we're brewing some beers. Tomorrow, Sheriff Dobek. Um, I know it's going to explode. So it has to go into a bathtub. Um, but uh, it's <laughs> to this day, I still hear about the bathtub downstairs, the uh, shower downstairs has remnants of Sheriff Dobek on it. So, um, <laughs> so no, we're brewing beer right now just to uh, get ready for some upcoming events, continue to push the product uh, on our property um, to uh, bridge the gap until we start doing it over um, on our system. Great. So I got two quick questions and then I think we'll actually three quick questions. The four pack question, but uh, Couple fun ones uh, and and a and a serious one, but uh, so, um, do you, will you guys do anything with a hard seltzer or some kind of brew seltzer? And the reason I ask is because as I've uh, as as I've still obviously not within the last couple of months, but before then it seems like a lot of craft breweries are starting to to put something like that um, on tap. I don't know if they're actually making it or 
if it's contracted out, but I didn't know if you guys had any thoughts on that because of how popular those have become. Good question. <clears throat> it's a good question. You know, one thing about our brewery tap room is we're going to have a brew pub license because I also love spirits myself. So we're going to be serving uh, wine and spirits in our, in our tap room. Um, you know, for me, it's one of those things where we're brewing beer, you're in a production brewery. Uh, I don't have any insecurity. You're not going to buy our beer, but at that time of day, maybe the evening time you want to have yourself a whiskey um, by all means, come hang out with us and do that. So <clears throat> as far as brewing our own seltzer day one, um, we're going to give it six months to see. We'll have uh, some other company perhaps that we carry. Um, I've been seeing that pop up a little bit as well. It's kind of like under the table and obviously we're an independent you know, brewing company, but uh, I haven't made a decision if we're going to carry it yet, but if we do, let's see what those sales look like to justify rolling it out. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, I know I joke, I tell people like I joke about Zima. Zima came and went. I think uh, Zima was just something that yes. popped up and went away. And Totally true. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, I think this, this seltzer craze is going to be a little longer. Um, yeah, especially I, because, I agree. Yeah. And because also too, like that's another reason why O'Billy was such a, a absolutely crack is because we actually have tapped out and we've gotten that one to be about 99 calories to 102 calories when we did like some math. And the point is like, we can offer that low calorie beer, but we cannot avoid um, something that people really want. Not to say everybody wants it, but um, an option. So good and question. Thing too, just speaking kind of from my side of it, there are, there's been a handful of places in our area that have done their own seltzers, but it really, like they don't advertise it. They don't really, you know, make posts about it. They don't give any seltzers any a dirty little secret. <laughs> <laughs> if you go on their menu, they're there. And I think part of it is to just kind of appease that crowd. Yeah. Well, granted, my fridge has just as much Bud Light seltzer in it right now as it does with any other craft beer. But I, it, breweries are, are definitely aware of the kind of phase that's happening. Um, yeah. but certainly they're not, it, at least it doesn't seem like they're really tipping their hand that they're getting too deep into it. Mm. Yeah. So, um, two quick ones. Um, Zach, you mentioned earlier, right at the beginning that, uh, you're kind of influenced by, uh, the destination brewery, um, theme or style, which I, I totally agree with. I think it's a, a, a terrific, the right way to go. What was the one that kind of stood out to you to kind of give you this influence or was there one or two or, you know, yep. kind of done so, the same beercation trip and, and love all that as well. So I'm just curious which one stood out. Started with Surly. So I was, uh, yeah, I was visiting my uh, brother-in-law, my wife and I at the time were coming into uh, St. Paul. Um, I obviously knew who Surly was and we went there and I remember walking, like looking around saying, holy, holy hell, like, it's incredible. Um, obviously, the for my for my at least from my opinion, the product was certainly matching that experience. And um, and so then when we got back home from that, there's a couple other breweries that opened up um, a second location. Uh, so I mentioned Monday Night Brewing Company opened a, a second location called the Garage, and the Garage was focused heavily on uh, event coordination space. So they had a fifteen thousand square foot event space in addition to about a 5,000 square foot tap room 
uh, once again, pushing out amazing product. And so early on, so because my brother went to McAllister, which is where Omar, um, who owns Shirley, graduated from, he actually was able to get me in touch with him. Uh, like I was like two months into planning and we had a like an 80 minute phone call. I remember just being kind of surreal as can be, but he was giving me advice. And he's actually the one that told me, why don't you just do a 30 barrel system? And I was like, sounds good, Omar. And so <laughs> to be able to, to be able to talk to the guy a couple years later oh, yeah. and then think through that. And I mentioned this once in the podcast, if you haven't already turned us off because I'm talking too much is I love to host, you know, and to me, I get it from my dad, Sheriff Dobeck. And um, man, I just love, you know, I love having a good time and I love community. I mean, I grew up in a large family, so that's what kinship comes back, you know? So it was definitely Shirley that got my attention. Then of course I've, then of course Asheville, you know, if you've been to Asheville, you've got Oscar Blues, you've got Sierra Nevada, you've got, you know, oh yeah, New Belgium. It's, that's just, that's epic. But we wanted our, our own version of that and it was attainable. And guess what? We're going to friggin' do it. So, yeah. Well, I think the um, hosting and like the aspect of having people, hosting people, and not entertaining, but, you know, not just serving people, but to kind of walk them through that process. It's not just, what do you want? Here's your beer. It's, what do you like? Yeah. Can I steer you in a direction that maybe you didn't think about before? What are your likes? Maybe steer you in a direction that I think we can have you happy. And whether that's your beer or something else, but then you got the dogs, you got the bike trail, it's all going to be in it. If you wrap it around an experience, that's what I think this whole thing is about. And I think you'll so, see in this whole group won't disagree with the fact that that's what people want. They want an experience. They don't just want to go have a good beer. Like you can go to the, the High Life Lounge in Des Moines. Yep. Nice. And like, it's an experience. You're not going to have a good beer, but you're going to have an experience at the High Life Lounge. But you know, you kind of can elevate that experience. Oh, yeah. And then little, on that note, the, well, those little intimate tap rooms have, have their place and they're, they're great. But I think for what we're trying to do, having a, you know, just a little intimate tap room with a bar and one beer tender would not sufficiently communicate what we're about. Yeah. And, and one thing we've coined recently is uh, something we say, educate the hospitality you deserve. Um, I come from the South. Hospitality has a little bit of a Southern tie to it. Um, hospitality is now becoming one of the like key pillars. You can have hospitality experience and product be all in order. We give a shit about all of them though. Like that is to me the key. And yeah. despite the size of it, despite the space, I am rigid. I have a hospitality background myself. I'm very rigid about how I expect people to be treated, even though you're going to a local brewery. It's the way to be. So one quick question. So uh, as we get, uh, as you guys get started here in the prime of college football season, will this be shifting towards the uh, cyclone part of the state or uh, the Hawkeye part of the state for the theme? Let me answer right, this. Very simple. Back. Very, this one very simple so first of all first of all i'm a georgia bulldog so i'll be watching the games you you can fly a you can fly a big georgia flag there and iowa people 
may not even recognize it. Well, it's funny because someone <laughs> just Georgia said, Bulldog. I thought you were going to say, "What's the Big Ten? What's the Big? All right, so it's very simple. It's very simple in our tap room. So first of all, college football <laughs> is like my favorite time of the year, just like a lot of people. It's fall, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, in our tap room, the way we have it set up, there's a couple <laughs> TVs stacked on top of each other. Is um, who between both teams, whoever buys the most beer, um, yeah, whether it's or Hawkeye, gets the Love audio. It. Gets Love the it. Audio. Now, if you Love both it. teams will That's be on, terrific. but you get the audio, so uh, it'll be a fair fight. And uh, that's awesome. I love it. I mean, Georgia's playing, nobody else is playing. It's Georgia audio. (laughs) Let let me translate this one. It cyclones. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, man. (laughs) Great question, Ryan. Great question. Sounds like Nick and I are on the same team. Evan, I'm a season ticket holder, man. Oh, good for you. Good for you. We usually make it up to one game a year. My parents have season tickets. Uh, I went there. My, uh, Wife went there. My sister went there. My sister-in-law went there. We're big Cyclones here in Peoria. Yeah, my mom went there. I I was at Iowa State for six weeks in 2011 and left. Love it. I'd have to go pull out some of my Iowa State stuff <laughs> off the wall, and I can't. <laughs> All right, we got to do your island four-packs or your desert island. I can't live without these. Got to have these styles, specific beers. Fine. Um, Nick, we'll give you the honors. I was fortunate that Zach prepped me for this question, so I actually took the time to think about it. <clears throat> Unfortunately, they're all pretty readily available here now. At one point, some of them weren't so easy to get, but uh, my number one is good old Paps Blue Ribbon PBR. Gotta have it. That's My grandpa drank that. I, I've known that logo since I was like two years old. If I don't have that, I'm, I'm done. Nice. Uh, King Sue would be included in there. King Very Sue. Nice. Is I mean, if you're in Iowa, King yep. Sue at some point was wow. the grail for you. Uh, Sequench from Dogfish Head. That was my gateway sour beer. Nice. I feel like if I'm, I like that. If I'm stranded on an island, shouldn't I, I like have that. Sequench? Yeah. Yeah. And then as for I needed some type of barrel-aged stout. And I, I mean, I debated between a lot of them, but Bourbon County, any year, I mean, it's always – it's always there. It's all reliable. And it is. Good. It is. It's awesome. And it it's rounds good. out my styles. I've been yeah. blown through my uh, stash through quarantine, <laughs> unfortunately. Me and my friends had a Bourbon County night. Probably, gosh, I wish I could remember, but I had a lot of Bourbon Honestly. County that night, so I don't. <laughs> but I think we blew through like four or five bottles, a couple of the variants from this year, a couple. Uh, I, know, I know we had a. I think a 14 and a 17 regular. So it was, yeah, it was good night. They kill it. Wonderful. All right, Zach, you're up. Hey, I got to speak to OGs here. Um, so uh, my, you know, honestly, man, Dale's Pale Ale is uh, the yeah. first beer just because nice. that's a beer that's very nostalgic to me. Um, Oscar Blues. It's a beer that my wife and I would just crush when we first started dating, but it's a beer that is, it seems timeless given the first one of the night. Mama Pills, Mama Pills, by the way, is one of my favorite. <laughs> um, so it's a timeless beer throughout the evolution of IPAs because IPAs have seen, obviously, in my opinion, the most um, variations. Um, speak another OG, Yeti. Before Yeti went through any coffee, chocolate, straight up old school Yeti. Um, that beer to this day, I still chase. 
Um, obviously, very more, uh, much more accessible than it used to be, but still, I love a good old Yeti. Um, speaking of dogfish, I had the first beer I ever fell in love with. Craft beer that I really took notice was 90 Minute. Yeah. Once again, 90 Minute. Uh -oh. it's, Me too. It's a, it's a malty beer that, like, at the malty, time, that's yeah. what we talked about. Malty, uh, almost, almost red. And, uh, but I remember taking a sip of it for the first time. I'm like, oh, this is craft beer. This is, this is the kids are talking about craft beer. And I was looking <laughs> at myself, but 90 minute. Um, but then the last beer is a beer that I always miss when I leave Atlanta. It's called a Pog Basement. So, Pash Fruit Orange, Orange Guava. And it's uh, from Scofflaw Brewing Company. Their flagship yep. beer when they first rolled out was Basement IPA. They once did this as an experiment called Pog Basement, and it became their number one selling beer. And to this very day, like when we go down there and we get it shipped back up to us, or we carry it with us and, and carry on, or uh, checking a bag, Pog is just a, a slamming awesome beer. So, um, so that's my four. Nice. And thanks for having us, man. That was awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Zach and Nick from uh, from kinship and uh, we always end with a toast so uh, thanks again for coming on and uh, we'll have to do a follow-up either around your grand opening or uh, you know a year later or something and we'll try to do it in person assuming all this COVID stuff goes away and uh, I'm looking to, forward to it already all right thanks awesome. guys cheers the next one cheers, in person. Cheers. all right cheers guys cheers thanks guys